What's doing, everybody? Today is Tuesday, June 13th. Domestic extremist Peachy Keenan joins me on the show. Plus, out in California, parents may lose custody of their children if they do not confirm their fairy tales. Also, the Oklahoma Sooner softball team goes viral for their faith in God. I'm Alec Lace. This is The Alec Lace Show. What's doing, everybody? I'm Alec Lace, and for the last five years, I've hosted an award-winning podcast called First Class Fatherhood. For the most part, I've done my best to keep politics out of the conversation, but I cannot do that anymore. That is why I've decided to launch a new show, The Alec Lace Show. So hit the follow button, and let's preserve, protect, and fight for the American family together. The future is family. What's doing, everybody? Welcome to the Alec Lay Show. I'm happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. If you are enjoying the live broadcast here on Rumble, please hit that share button down there below. Share it on your socials. Help me build the channel over here. If you guys are listening now, I'm now available. The Alec Lay Show is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please hit me with a rating or review over there. Go a long way to help build up the show. Author Peachy Keenan is going to be here with me in just a few minutes to discuss her new book, Domestic Extremist, A Practical Guide to Winning the Cultural War. It is an extremely timely book, something that's very necessary. Uh, she's right on par with the message that I'm trying to get across right here on the Alec Lay Show. So it's going to be a real honor to have her on the program. Before we get to her and I bring her on, uh, just a couple of stories I want to hit on real quick. What's happened? out in California here is an absolute disgrace. If this thing goes through, there's an amendment to this bill, AB 957 in California, which would now, uh, in custody cases between parents that are going through divorces or separations, whatever it may be, they're going to now have to take into consideration whether or not the parent is affirming their child's gender. So this is going to come in their health and safety uh, part of the argument here. And if they do not, agree with the child's gender ideology, uh, they will be found liable for child abuse and then have the child, their custody of the child taken away. Uh, This is going far beyond anything that you could have imagined was going to happen as it comes to this fairy tale land of telling kids that they can be uh, a boy if they were born a girl. It's getting way out of control. And now you're going to see parents start to use this against one another. Uh, And I want you to listen to this this, uh, lady explain what she's actually talking about here and how this is going to be put into the bill. This was during uh, proposing this bill, this amendment to Bill AB 957 in California. Take a listen. So this particular bill adds the very important factor that affirming a child's gender identity is in their best interest, which is what your question is about. Why does it get why does it actually say that in a, an affirmative way? And it really is because if you have a seven year old who's who's talking about having a potential to say I being able to articulate that they believe that they are not the same gender um, as they are biologically, then it should be affirmed. And through care, it should be determined. And that's what we did with our own child. And that would give the ability for a parent who wasn't sure to affirm and get their child the care that they need to make that, so they can begin to articulate that determination. But by saying and rejecting it in wholesale, then you're essentially rejecting your child. And that is not in the best interest of a child. We should be affirming our children in every possible way and getting them whatever appropriate care they need, whether it's based on their gender, whether it's based on how their um, studies are in school. It doesn't matter. Our children should be affirmed. And this is saying that you have to include gender affirmation as a part of that. 
right now by, by health or care for the child, what they're talking about, what she's talking about there that they don't want to say out loud, would be either puberty blockers, sterilizing the child. So making sure the child is screwed for life and can never have children by giving them these hormone blockers, puberty blockers, and then also castrating the children, mutilating the children, uh, cutting off the breasts of the children. This is the type of stuff that if you don't agree with or you don't affirm as the parent, you're going to lose your right to have custody over the child. Now, we already know in divorce cases, divorce custody battles, it's already brutal town. We already know that parents use their children as pawns uh, during these type of custody battles. This is going to add a brand new element to this entire I- uh, idea, and I can only imagine you're going to see vindictive parents uh, playing their kids say, hey, We're going to practice this, Uh, you know, how they they do this anyway. They're going to practice what they say in front of the judge before they they prep these kids, no matter what happens. Now they're going to prep them into saying that they want to be the opposite gender just to drive the other parent bonkers and then lose their custody over the child. This cannot be allowed to happen. And this is going to lead, mark my words, this is going to lead to this at a national level where if you don't affirm your child's gender, it's going to be looked at as child abuse. That is exactly where this is heading. This is heading from this small bill here in California, this AB95. This is headed to the main stage, baby. This is headed prime time. And they are going to take your children away from you if you do not allow them to be castrated, if you do not allow them to fulfill their fantasy of wanting to be the opposite sex, which has been pumped into them by these sick bastards that we have in this country right now. So pay attention to what's happening and keep an eye on this development in California. And if I see that this bill goes through or it's updated, I'm going to bring the news right here because I really think that it's an important one to keep our eyes on and just a disgrace. Now, on a positive note here, one other thing I wanted to hit on before bringing on Peachy Keenan is this really, really made my heart feel full. I was so excited to see this viral video of the Oklahoma softball team, and they went viral for all the raw, all the right reasons, where we see, we're so used to seeing girls or women on social media going viral for twerking videos or for some kind of uh, 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 sexualized video. We're seeing girls go viral all the time for these things. We see them on the TikToks. We see them on the Instagram. Instagram is full of just uh, girls in bikinis getting thousands of likes and shares. And that's what it seems to be all about. Uh, And here we finally have something Really, really worth supporting, and I want to share a piece of it with you. Uh, This is the Oklahoma Sooners softball team, which were asked how they keep the joy when they had such a season where a season in which, by the way, now the Oklahoma Sooners softball won the College World Series. They had a 53-game winning streak during the season. So this ESPN reporter asked the girls how they keep the joy uh, during the season, such a, a, a mundane thing, keep the, keep the same passion uh, during the season after having 53 games in a row where they win. This was the response that he got, and it was a banger. The only way that you can have a joy that doesn't fade away is from the Lord. And any other type of joy is actually happiness that comes from circumstances and outcomes. Um, I think Coach has said this before, but joy from the Lord is really the only thing that can keep you motivated. I'm just so happy that we won the College World Series, but I didn't feel joy. I didn't have, I didn't know what to do the next day. I didn't know what to do for that following week. I didn't feel filled. And I had to find Christ in that. And I think that is what makes our team so strong. 
I mean, I know myself, I, I've seen so much of a growth in myself with, um, once I turned to Jesus and I realized how he had changed my outlook on life, not just softball, but understanding how much I have to live for, and that's living to exemplify the kingdom. And I think that brings so much freedom. God bless those girls, Grace Lyons, Jada Coleman, and Alyssa Brito. I mean, obviously, these are girls that were that have great family support. They're just great people. They're they're people that you would that I hope. Uh, they are girls that I hope that my sons, my three boys, will eventually meet, marry, and have children with, start a family with. Uh, these are girls that I hope that my daughter will emulate as she grows up and becomes a young woman herself. It's something I, I showed this video right away to my daughter first and then to all of my boys as well. I think it's such an important message, so needed right now in our society because we have just destroyed our families. We have removed God from our society, and we are seeing the results of that play out all over this country right now, and it makes me absolutely sick. So God bless these girls from Oklahoma. They are doing it right, and they got that message out to such a wide audience. The thing went viral all over the place over the weekend, uh, which was great to see. So in keeping this same theme now with the nuclear families that have been just totally destroyed in this family, it seems like starting a family is looked at as a bad thing to do now. Uh, having multiple kids, I got four kids. People look at me like I got four heads, four kids, as if that's some kind of milestone when really it's just a drop in the bucket to where parents used to be in this country. But having children, starting a family, particularly starting a family young is looked at as such a negative thing to do. No, you got to get, you got to get out there and you got to go gather all these things that are not important before you start doing the important stuff. That's the message that we're telling all the young people out there today. Go get all this stuff that's going to mean absolutely nothing when it comes to your legacy in life. Go develop all these things. Grab all this material stuff that won't be worth nothing to you on your deathbed before you start acquiring the things in life that truly matter and are truly going to leave you behind a legacy of fulfillment in life and a mark on this world. That can't be taken away from you. But uh, this this next guest here, Peachy Keenan, who came out with a book, Domestic Extremist, A Practical Guide to Winning the Culture War. Uh, I, again, I say this is a timely book. I think we need to get a book like this into the hands as uh, of as many young people, particularly in this country. Uh, and, and so we're going to break it down right now. I'm honored to bring her on the show here. Let's see if we can make this happen. And again, if you're enjoying the broadcast here on Rumble, help me out with a share, with a like down there. Share this on your socials. We get as many people into the live broadcast as possible here. Leave me a comment or a rating or a review. All right, let's see if Peachy can hear me. Okay, we got her in the Zoom room here. All right, make sure this connection is good here. Okay. All right, uh, joining me now, Peachy Keenan. Welcome to the Alec Lay Show. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, it's an honor to have you here. And I just want to start by saying, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of what you're doing. And mm -hmm. I, I, I've hosted a show for five years called First Class Fatherhood. I've interviewed everybody from Governor Ron DeSantis to Tom Brady. And I've always focused just on the fatherhood journeys of the dads and celebrating fatherhood and family life. And I've, for the most part, I've always kept politics out of it. But but I really can't do that yeah. anymore. And that's why I've launched yeah. this show. Uh, I'm just so sick of seeing what is going on. I think parents are the underdog in this country today. And I think more and more people need to speak out. That's why I'm doing this here. And I just think if we could strengthen right. our nuclear family units, I think most of the problems in our in, in our in our country would start to go away. Yeah, I mean, that's well, that's exactly why I wrote this book, um, you know, 
Oh, it definitely feels like we're under attack. And here I am living in a blue city in a blue state. I'm trying to have a, you know, I have five kids and we're devout Catholics. And it feels like, you know, they don't make it easy for you. <laughs> they didn't make me, they didn't make it easy for me to get to this place either. I mean, everything was working against me and I had to kind of fight my way out of, you know, feminism and all the rest of it to figure out like, oh, these are the things that will make me the happiest. These, these are the ways to have like a more satisfying, long-term happy life. And you're on your own figuring it all out. Yeah. And that's why I think the book Domestic Extremist is so important. And I, I'm like you, I have, we have four, we have four kids, uh, awesome. three boys, three boys, then got the girl on the fourth try. Nice. And, Good job. And, and, and we did that kind of what we would consider today old school in a sense where my wife stayed home and, and, and I worked extra jobs. I'm a, I'm a railroad mechanic. I've been doing that for 23 years, hustled wow. a lot of Uber and taxis on the side, whatever I've had to do to support the family. Yeah. And that stay at home mom figure is kind of so looked down upon in our society. My wife oh, would yes. hear it from her friends. I'd hear it from people at my job. Oh, what does your wife do? That's all she does is stay home. And it's like, yeah. uh, it's the most important job or the most important position we have in our country is being a mother to the children, being a family together. And now it's looked at as some kind of oddity. Right. I mean, I write about this, how people have decided to outsource um, raising and parenting, even their babies to strangers who they pay to take care of the children. Now, you know, women argue, well, 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 yeah, but both of us have to work, work, you know, should I, should the kids starve? And like, you know, I say, like, I recognize that there are some situations that it feels impossible. You need both incomes. I get it. But let's be able to talk truthfully about, you know, what, you know, full-time daycare really means. I mean, just because your child, let's say, has cancer and has to get chemotherapy to save his life, that doesn't mean that going through chemotherapy is the best possible lifestyle for the child it doesn't make chemotherapy fun um, you wish you didn't have to resort to it at all and that's how i feel about daycare it's sort of like a, a a horrible option that we have now given women and they you know the left is pro-choice but they really it really feels like women have lost the choice to stay home and nurse and nurture their own infants and they they are looked down upon. I mean, I was a working mother in an office and I quit to go on maternity leave and I never went back. And there was like, you know, they, no one could believe that I was giving it up. Yeah, and it's a shame that it has to be that way. I don't think there's any better way. But these are, again, uh, conversations that need to take place, I think, before entering marriage as well. I think oh, so yeah. many people go into it unprepared and then they're like, well, wait a minute. I thought you were going to give up your job. And it's like that creates a big problem as well. But going to the yes. book, Domestic Extremist. <coughs> excuse me, a practical guide to winning the culture war. You talk about in this house, we believe parents are bosses of their kids. And we have seen this pushback to reduce parental authority mm -hmm. over children. And it's one of the things that kind of blows my mind. So how do you hit on this in the book? Well, I just, you know, assert that, you know, parental authority is in short supply and people need to feel more empowered to assert their parental authority. It feels like all the experts and the officials and the government, you know, politicians are kind of taking it from you and they're telling you what to teach your child, how to raise your child, what's best for your child, down to what vaccines to give them and, you know, all the things they need to believe in school and all the books. And people kind of feel like, I feel like it's like outsourcing your child to a daycare, you're outsourcing their education also to strangers. And nowadays these people have, you know, sort of an, an agenda and they want to feed that to your kid every day, all day when you're not looking and they're, in, they're, they're just in school, you know, but they're not really learning ABCs that much anymore. <laughs> they're learning this narrative that you're a bad guy, 
that uh, you know there's 18,000 different genders, and if they don't comply, they're 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 a bad person. They're mean. They're awful. They need to be re-educated. And we also have this rhetoric from the president of the United States saying there's no such thing as somebody else's child. Then these are all our right. children. And, we, and we're hearing that That's from right. the left. That comes from the left side. And they're trying yeah. to separate and put that divide in between parents and their kids. And I'm I'm here in the communist yeah. state of New Jersey. And here right. we're not allowed. We're not allowed to even know what's going on in the school. They, they have yeah. a, a guidance that was put in in 2018 where they don't even have to inform the parents uh, if their kids are using different pronouns in the classroom. And it's like it's gone yeah. way too far. Yeah, I mean, Hillary Clinton used to say, you know, it takes a village to raise a child, but now it's a village of idiots and you're not allowed. You're not allowed even to see your kid. So, I mean, I advise parents in the book, like, you know, the first sign of trouble in your, let's say, in your school, um, you have to kind of, you have to get out of there. I mean, if they're, they're like scouting for more recruits, you know, for the like gender ch- children's army that they're building. Okay, they're actively building Joe Biden is working on it too. He's, they're just going to be injecting more money into school districts um, and school counselors to help affirm more children. And what, what that means is affirming your child means basically kidnapping your child from you, if not physically, then mentally and psychologically and spiritually. And so parents have to be really careful. I mean, I, you know, I took my child to uh, my teenage boy to the pediatrician um, last year, and this is a teenage boy in his in his basketball uniform and the pediatrician kicked me out of the room and she asked him, are you comfortable with your gender? And I didn't know that that was going to happen. I learned my lesson since then, but if your child shows any doubt, any confusion at all, you know, they will pounce and suddenly you're going to start losing your rights to that child. And you have to be really careful if you live in a state like New Jersey or California, especially. Yeah, because California just amended that law, too, or is yes. amending it to saying that they could take the child away from the parents. That's right. <laughs> it's it, 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 it so it, it so seems to be out of whack. You know, I, I posted a video uh, not too long ago on, on Twitter there uh, of Mr. Rogers singing a classic song about how if you're born a girl, you stay a girl and grow up to be a lady. And only and only girls can be the mommies and only boys can be the daddies. And these were things that were never up for debate. These were things that were never controversial. And all of a sudden we're, we're, we're isolating kids and telling them, oh, no, if you want to grow up to be a man, you can be. And they're giving children uh, life changing uh, puberty blockers and they're giving yeah. them these surgeries. And it just see it, it just seems like it's happening, and there's nothing. It seems almost like you're powerless to stop it. And whenever you right. do try to stand up, you're getting shouted down. And that's why I think I think right. books like this is so extremely important to get out there. Yeah, I mean that's one of the reasons I wrote the book um, is to sort of build morale. I mean we we seem to be stuck in these foxholes. We feel like we're all alone. We're powerless. And no, there is great strength in our numbers. I mean, in many ways, we are the majority. Uh, We have a lot to protect, a lot to conserve, and people need to feel empowered that and more and and courageous and brave because that is what is being called of us right now. Unfortunately, look, I never dreamed that I would be raising a family like in this environment, in this hellscape. (laughs) Like I never thought it would be this wildly different. I thought maybe we'd have we'll have flying cars in the future. Like I didn't know that they would be like trying to inject children with, you know, the synthetic hormones to make them grow breasts on boys. Like this was not what they prepared me for. But we're all going to have to get prepared. And that's the book is really, you know, it's it's serious. It's a serious topic, but it's also fun. It's entertaining because we need to build morale and we need to all kind of feel empowered as a group together, because together, I really feel like we will win this battle in the end.
Yeah, well said. And I know you say in the book, too, babies are good. More babies are even better. And yeah. You, you one up me here. You got five. I got four. But I tell people, you know, it's what's crazy uh, is that sometimes, you know, when I and that's why I really launched my first show, First Class Fatherhood. When I when I heard so many of the young men when I was driving Uber on a Friday, Saturday night, when I tell them yeah. I got four kids, they looked at me like I had four heads. Like, what? Four oh, yeah. kids? You know, yeah. and it's like, that's really yeah. not that many kids. Like years ago, yeah. years ago, this country had bigger families and smaller places to yeah. live. Today, we got bigger places to live in smaller families. And I just think it's so far out of whack. And I would and I love to see young families grow and expand. Yeah, I mean, babies are great. And I didn't even know how great babies were. So I started having them. And I was like, oh, like this is this is awesome. I want to have a bunch of these. But when I, I realized things were out of whack years ago, I was pregnant with my third baby. And my neighbor saw me with my two. I had, two, I had a three under three, you know, two toddlers. And I was pregnant. And she looked at me. And she got this, like, horror-stricken look on her face. And she was like, oh are you pregnant? And I was like, yeah. She's like, again? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, what are you, some kind of Mormon? <laughs> like, three children was suddenly, you know, so wildly, you know, bad for the environment. What about your career? What about your, you know, becoming a self-actualized woman? You're going to be so oppressed with all these babies. And so, I mean, women's mindsets have been like, you've been brainwashed into thinking that babies are bad. They're going to hold you back. They're going to detract from your life. And you and I know, and I learned this by doing it, that no, <laughs> my life would, would be miserable without them. I mean, they can drive you crazy sometimes. But, you know, my last one, especially, she's the best one. And I just think, my goodness, if I hadn't kept going... I wouldn't have gotten this prize at the end of the rainbow for me. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's almost like parenthood is the best kept secret all of a sudden because, and, and you know, people say that like, oh, it costs too much money to have kids. And I always say, you know what? The price for not having them is far greater. You see so many times yes. these parent people later on in life, they never have right. kids and they live with that regret. And it's like, you're never going to yes. look back and say, oh, I shouldn't have had that last kid. You know, it's, and it's, it's something never. that I think needs to be encouraged more to say, you know, you're missing out on really the biggest fundamental gift you can get in this lifetime. And so many people are, and, and I know there was a viral video too, which was interesting. This liberal woman that went on a tear saying that she couldn't find any masculine man that wasn't right. a conservative. And it's like, well, what, like, it's just like, yeah, well, what do you think? How could you have a guy that's going to uh, be a guy that goes and brings home the bacon, opens the car door and is ready to fight, provide and protect his family. And then tell his child he could chop his genitals off that those two things don't coexist <laughs> right i mean part of the reason i did write the book was also for younger women to try to kind of you know fix what's broken with a lot of them to make them suitable mates for young men who i feel like are you know gen z men are tend to be more conservative than the gen z women there's like kind of an imbalance now with the women the young the college age girls you know they go to college and they come out you know full of these crazy ideas even i mean i did too but it's even more extreme now and one of the things I researched in the book was like, how, you know, how do you, how does a man get to be a male feminist? Like, who are these kind of like, you know, feminist ally men who even the liberal women don't want to date? And I found out something hilarious, which is that they have much higher rates of erectile dysfunction. Okay, like scientifically proven, like medical papers about it, and much higher rates of taking, um, you know, drugs like Viagra. Okay, so just put two and two together. <laughs> Either the feminist men who can't get it up 
are just are become liberal or being liberal kind of makes you a, a spiritual eunuch. Like one of those two things is true. <laughs> yeah, and it's wild to watch. And I know that you, the feminism movement that came along really attacked and destroyed so much of our nuclear families yeah. in this country, along with obviously Lyndon B. Johnson and the Great Society, which took a toll on our, on our nuclear families as well. Yeah. But then we've seen like the Black Lives Matter movement that also was uh, run by Marxists who said, hey, we're out to seek yeah. and destroy the nuclear family unit. And, and I just you know, we've gotten so far away from it that they continue to keep trying to drive a force in between parents and their children. And until we get this thing figured out and and back together. But then again, if we continue on this path, like you said, if we continue moving forward, we are the greater majority of people. And the other side isn't procreating and they're recruiting people to help them procreate. And they're trying to go after your kids because they can't have any of their own. That's right. I mean, the funny thing is that they're all self-sterilizing. They're sterilizing children. When you when you give someone a, a young kid a puberty blocker, that is a sterilizing drug that will ca- chemically castrate that child permanently. When you do the surgery, the bottom surgery on a, a man or a boy or girl, that is permanently sterilizing. <coughs> Excuse me. And then many feminist liberal women are also on long-term birth control, uh, 10, 20, 30 years. And those can have lasting effects on your fertility, especially the reliance on IUDs. Those can really mess you up and you may never have a child. And so it does seem like the other side is kind of committing what I call genetic suicide. And you know what Napoleon said, never interrupt your enemy when they're making a mistake. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. And and, and, and speaking of that, you know, I'm Catholic like you, like yourself, uh, three boys that are altar boys. We're church going people, a church going family. We keep God first. And I I know you've talked about this or I've seen it on your Twitter, this whole thing that's happening with the L.A. Dodgers, that they're going to they are going to be not only bringing on these sisters of perpetual idiocy or, in you know, insanity, uh, they're going to be honoring them with a with a hero uh, community hero award and 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 I don't understand for the life of me how every single catholic or christian player in major league baseball isn't standing up and saying if you allow this we ain't playing i mean i, I but now what happened with the march i seen you push something not even the cat the local diocese is going to be involved in this now well, a, a group called uh, a Catholic group here is organizing a peaceful procession. It was going to walk from the cathedral to the stadium on Friday, like a mile walk. But that is now next. And we're meeting at I think I'm going to be going meeting at the in the parking lot of Dodger Stadium. And there'll be speakers. There'll be bishops there. Um, a lot of people are a lot of my friends who are Catholic are going. Um, the archdiocese, I saw a letter from some one bishop saying he wanted to, you know, be neutral on this. Um, I know that my, for example, my local parish priest was very outspoken and he was encouraging his everyone in the church to go to boycott the Dodgers. So I think it's sort of mixed. I mean, L.A. Catholic, you know, the archdiocese is pretty liberal. Um, (laughs) So they're not they're definitely not taking a strong stand. But I looked into some of these guys, the sisters, you know, like this is not about homophobia. This is not about we hate drag queens. Okay, that's not what this is about. Uh, no one ever cared that Dodger Stadium had a pride night, which they have for 10 years. Every every team in Major League like does a thing where they give out rainbow, whatever. Like, okay, no Catholic ever like protested. This is about a specific one specific group that is, you know, their whole mission is to mock and spit on Catholicism, is to mock and humiliate Catholics who like believing Catholics, okay, like basically doing porno- pornographic dances with Jesus on the cross. I mean, these are obviously offensive and it's a, it's, it's, it's the Dodgers spitting in the eye 
of their longtime fans. And, uh, you know, I hope they have a change of heart. If Clayton Kershaw sat out that one one game, he would do more uh, for the cause and he would he would win more fans than just him issuing his little like weak, you know, twi- tweet about it. Yeah, and, and also, too, we've seen the other guy, Anthony Bass, who looked like he was in a POW video apologizing <laughs> yeah. uh, just for, for speaking out. But this right. you, you and you would never see any league uh, allow somebody to, that's a, a group that mocks uh, Mohammedans or, or uh, Islam or uh, the no. Muslim faith. If yeah, somebody no. came out dressed in, in, in a dress like Mohammed, he'd be shot right on the diamond. He would never that's make right. it out of the stadium. That's but right. It seems like people exactly. are re- willing to freely just openly mock the Catholic Church. And it's frustrating that it seems like they kind of just Catholic Church almost sits on their hands in a sense and says, oh, we're not going to do anything about it. And I, I love to see the fact that people are riled up about it because if, if you don't, this is just going to continue to get worse. Right. I mean, imagine what they if they do this, what will they do next year on the field? Like, I don't you know, I don't even want to think about it. I I, I looked into one of the guys who's involved in the group, um, a drag queen named Sister Roma who are, you know, our favorite supervillain, Scott Wiener, who's a state representative, paraded through the state capitol as an, as a, an example of a civil rights hero. Here's one of the sisters in the full nun habit with his drag makeup on. And here's here's who we are honoring. OK, so I looked into who this this guy is. His name is Michael Williams. It turns out that when he's not, you know, pretending to be a nun, he is a hardcore pornography director and producer gay gay porn. And I was a little scared to do this, but I actually Googled, like, you know, movies by this guy. And I cannot even utter uh, one title of these, you know, movies <laughs> that he's making. I mean, it's 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 extreme, tri- triple, quadruple X. And that's his job, okay? And here he is being honored as a folk hero. I'm just not sure, like, how, you know, what have they, <laughs> is that really who we're going to hold up? As a as a model here, it's it's really insane. Yeah, and not only hold up as a model, but but we're going to be award like I said, a community hero award. We're celebrating uh, people like this, and it's just. Uh it's very hard to see what's going on. And again, it's like Pride Month. We know they they overdo it. We seem like they have to outdo each other each each year that this goes on. But it's always it's yeah. always just with the children. And I just can't I, I can only imagine that parents that bring their kids to these things go by the pronouns me, 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 because it just seems like <laughs> right. it's always about them. And it's and they're forcing their That's children right. into doing this. And, and you know, the, right. there's a way to there's a way to support gay gay people without having to yeah. cut your son's uh, penis off. I mean, we we could we could do that, you know, without mutilating and sterilizing children. So I think it's just gone way too far. Yeah, no, I totally uh, agree. And and just getting back into domestic extremists, the practical guide to winning the culture war. Uh, one other thing that I know you talk about here is um, uh, the career is overrated. You said you you dropped out of the career. And I think we, we place this, I, I try to put it in the sense like this of, you know, what goes on our resume and what's going to be read at our eulogy are two totally different pieces of paper. And it's, we're so busy trying to build up our resume here mm-hmm. and, oh, look at this accolade, look at this accomplishment. And, and when, you, when you're at your eulogy, the, with the paper that's going to be read, very little of what's on that resume is going to make it to the eulogy. It's about who you were as a person, who how you made people feel, the type of mother you were, the type of father you were and who you were to the community. But yet we've gotten tricked. We've gotten conned into thinking that if we just build up this material world and we add these accolades to our resume, that we really, truly made it. How do you hit this in the book? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I worked, uh, you know, since college, I supported myself as a copywriter, you know, at large corporations, um, as a creative in the advertising industry. And uh, once I started having children, I, you know, couldn't even imagine like not being with that baby that I just had. So I worked from home, I freelance, right? We, t- we made a lot of financial sacrifices for me to do that. And when my when the kids I had then were sort of big enough to be in school, I had this incredible opportunity to go work at this amazing company and get so many perks. And oh my gosh, it was like a lot of money and everything. So I took it and I would see young women go off on maternity leave and they would come back at like six weeks. And I would say like, wait, well, where's your baby, you know? And they were like, oh, he's at school. He's at school. <laughs> I just was like, oh, that's nice. And I just couldn't imagine. And I, you know, they would say like, it was really hard to say goodbye to the baby, but they had kind of already made that like, you know, snip to the cord that would enable them to cope with being separated all day long from a, from a newborn, like a newborn, a nursing child. They had already kind of mentally broken away from that kid. And once you've done that as a mother, in, you know, to keep your job, to keep your career, I think it's much harder than to later on be able to assert yourself to the child, to, to, to really create that maternal bond that has to kind of grow after it's born. And so if you get used to right away, the minute it's born, it's you're separating yourself. It's much easier to keep that separation there. Let the child have its, his own autonomy. Let him tell you later that he wants to wear the princess dress. He knows what to do because you've kind of taken yourself out of, as his primary you know, educator, his primary um, parent. And you know, I just would urge women to consider carefully, you know, there is a cost. Like you said, there's a cost. Yeah. And, and you know, and even speaking to that, like I know Megan Fox has been trending now on, on Twitter because of yeah. uh, dr- dressing her her boys in uh, in dresses. And she talks openly about being two years old. Oh, they they wanted to wear dresses. And it's uh, you know, I, I did a really good interview uh, with her ex, Brian Austin Green. Oh, really? And, and he uh, he came off to me as, you know, I, I don't know. He seemed like he was, you know, defeated from this uh, divorce that had happened yeah. with him and Megan. And yeah. but never once during the interview did he ever mention his children wearing dresses Did he, he referred to them by their proper pronouns. I never once heard him. Yeah. And I wasn't to be honest, when I did the interview with him, I wasn't so aware that it, that this was going on with Megan Fox, that she was yeah. putting the kids in dresses. But we're seeing more and more parents, more and more videos. We see. The, the ones where uh, you, you, they're doing this celebrating one year as a woman and you have dads that are there saying, oh, my son's first year as a woman. And it's like these parents are forcing this stuff onto the children. I think the children yeah. suffers from gender dysphoria and, and, they're, and they're trying to cope with this. They're, they're actually forcing these things onto the children. Yeah. And, and, and I don't understand where our culture went off the rails. Like you said, you think by now we'd have flying cars. We have parents forcing their kids to change their sex. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is being driven by the by mothers. Um, you know, there is a incredible wealth of, um, you know, social credits that you get when you have present your toddler son or your little boy or girl is now one of the rainbow people. You are now a hero. You're your own folk hero. You're so brave. Look, look at you, you know, and you get your own TV show. You get to write a book about your child. You become this sort of like you get all of these accolades that maybe you didn't get in high school like maybe in high school you weren't very popular maybe you didn't have a lot of friends you didn't have special talents and this is sort of now this is your way of solving all that in one fell swoop with your beautiful little child who you put in the dress and yeah how does a three-year-old boy get himself a princess dress who bought the princess dress who's holding it up and presenting it as an option for that little boy to put on in the morning you know that's the mom 
doing that. Not the little the little boy is not ordering on Disney.com his own else address. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's it's frightening to see too. So, uh, getting back here, domestic extremist, a practical guide to winning the culture war. The link is going to be down there below. And I know that you okay. kept your identity uh, hidden for so long here, and then did like the big not a gender reveal, but you did a a person reveal on Fox there. Uh, what right. what was the uh, deciding moment where you said, okay, we're going to pick up the curtain on this? What what, what brought you out? Well, it is June, right? Everyone's coming out of the closet. So I wanted to come out of the closet. No, I mean, they, you know, they were like, well, this is how you sell a book. You you go out there and you show yourself and you promote your book. And I, I thought about it a lot because I like being anonymous. I do not like, I don't crave like the spotlight or fame or anything like that. I also want to protect my, my family. You know, I'm out there saying all this stuff. I'm not really ready. I don't want Antifa at my house. Like I don't want, you know, bricks through my window. I have no idea what's going to happen now. Um, but basically, uh, I just decided, you know, I wrote this book, I put all this work into it, and I really do want people to read it. And I want people to support it and like maybe even take my advice. And so I felt like I kind of owed it to them and to me to show people, you know, who I am, what I look like. I'm a normal person. I'm not a monster. You know, I don't have like claws, you know, and I'm just a regular mom, uh, like a lot of them are. And so I hope that by doing, by showing myself, uh, <laughs> say goodbye to my beautiful anonymity. It will help maybe help drive the message home. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you're out and I'm glad that the book is out. Uh, and it's funny because I, I record in my closet here, so I haven't come out of the closet oh, yet go. myself. But yeah, this is my closet studio. Uh, but but it is an important book, a timely book. I pray that uh, so many people will get their hands on it. Domestic Extremist, link in the, in the description down below. Last thing I want to hit you with here, uh, what kind of advice do you have for that that new couple, that new married couple that's just on the onset of starting their family out there? What's your advice to them? Oh my God. Well, first, congratulations. Um, I think finding the right person when you're young is so beautiful and so wonderful. And I, you know, my husband, I always thought we wish we would have met each other when we were younger. So kudos to whoever can do that. And my advice is not to wait too long. Um, you know, you never get a, your, your ovaries and your body will never be as young and easily, easily able to recover from childbirth and from sleepless nights as it is now. So I would just urge you guys to get busy. <laughs> yeah, get after it. I, I love the message. This has been an honor for me. Domestic Extremist available now. Pick up your copy. Uh, Peachy Keenan, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on the Alec Lay Show. Sure. My pleasure. Thanks, Alec. All right. Awesome. Peachy Keenan, Domestic Extremist, A Practical Guide to Winning the Culture War. It's a must-have book. Father's Day is coming up right now. We just passed Mother's Day. Uh, it makes for a great read. It's certainly... Uh, need We need to turn this mindset around in this country when it comes to marriage, when it comes to family, when it comes to faith. We have got to turn these things around in this country because otherwise uh, we see what the results of what's happening here. And this is this is a culture war. And uh, right now it, it appears if you just watch social media and you just watch the news, you think that we're losing by a mile. But it's not the truth. If you go to your local uh, parish, if you go to your you, you don't see the same thing that you're seeing play out on social media where you see all these nut jobs bringing their kids to these pride parades that are twerking and, and stuffing dollar bills in their pants. It's crazy that we see parents doing this. And I, I'll be honest with you, I don't really think the parents are doing it. I think the parents that bring their kids to these uh, transgender because it's not just bringing your kid to a pride parade, but when you're bringing your kid to an event where you know there's going to be adults simulating sexual acts like we've seen 
all over the place this year, this this month so far. We're only a couple weeks in here, but we've seen it all over the place. I don't think that I think the parents that are there know that this is the wrong thing for their child to see, but they're so afraid. They're so afraid of not being a part of the virtue signal. They're so afraid of not being accepted by the party that's that they're a part of. They're so afraid of not being accepted that they'll just bring their kids to it so they can say, hey, look, I'm one of you. I'm a part of this. And, and they know in their heart, they truly know in their heart that their little six-year-old standing there watching a naked man in drag dancing and shaking his ass, they know it's a wrong thing in their heart. There's no way they can't. And, it, we, and as again, we've seen it with the virtue signaling all throughout the pandemic. People that kn- they knew that putting a mask on and then walking into a restaurant and taking it off to eat a meal made not one iota of sense. But they did it because it was, I'm, a, I'm better than you. I'm a virtue signaler. I'm the best. Look, you're not wearing your mask. I am. I'm better than you. And I'm bringing my kid to this uh, naked man's little ritual here because I'm better than you. And that's really, I think, what it comes down to. These parents have this me, me, me pronoun that they use. It's, and we are in the me, me, me generation right now. So parents, stay on your post out there. God bless you ones, the parents that are out there doing it right, raising your kids, fighting back against this absolute absolute bullshit that's going on in our country right now. And I'm right there with you. That's the reason why I launched this Alec Lay show. I hope you guys enjoy it. I'm going to do my best to bring on as many awesome guests as I can here, just like Peachy Keenan. If you go back down there below, you'll see I had Judge Jeanine Pirro join me, uh, Senator Josh Hawley, uh, Zuby, Chadwick Moore, Tucker Carlson's biographer. And I'm going to do my best to bring on as many guests as I can. All right, that's all I got for you guys today. I'll be back here on Rumble Live Thursday, 1 p.m., Eastern Standard Time. Follow me on social media. I just launched an Instagram page at The Alec Lay Show. You can find me on Facebook, The Alec Lay Show, and I'm tweeting my face off about it at Alec Lace over on Twitter. All right, so that's all I got for you guys today. Grab a copy of Peachy Keenan's new book, Domestic Extremist. The link is down there below in the description. I'll be back here on Tuesday. God bless all you parents out there. God bless you families out there. God bless America. God bless our troops. God bless you, the listener, and I'll see you guys on Thursday.